The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Carl, thank you very much. Welcome, everybody, to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour. The great rate debate is yet another central banker says higher for longer. Stocks rallying nonetheless. Which begs the question, can they keep surging if the Fed keeps hiking? We will take that to the Investment Committee today. Joining me for the hour, Kerry Firestone, Degas Wright, Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful is back, Joe Terranova and Jim Labenthal right here with me on set. Let's check the markets as we always do. Got a good day going here for the Dow up 335, 1%. S&P a little better than that. NASDAQ outperforming today, 214. There's the yield on the 10-year note, 278. So... Jim Labenthal, I think the story of the week is Fed speak, and I think you've gotten a lot of it, and a lot of it has been hawkish. Loretta Mester, haven't seen anything suggesting inflation is leveling off. Mary Daly, nowhere near almost done. Charlie Evans, 50, reasonable, 75, could also be okay. And then the icing on the cake, Jim Bullard today. Still want rates to go to 375 to 4 this year. I think we'll probably be higher for longer. Lo and behold, stocks are up. I want to know from you, why has the market been able to brush off this hawkish Fed speak this week? Because there's been a lot of it. Yeah. And 4%, that's a kind of daunting number, right? You listen to that and think, well, 4 we're already at two and a half percent or 2.375 percent if you're in the midpoint of the range, meaning a lot of wood has been chopped. Yes, there's more wood to chop. But that's a lot just, more wood. No, that's a tree. No, it's not a tree. It's not a tree. Let's just say, just just dance with me and let me fully flesh this out with you. Let's say you get 50 basis points in September. Again, dance with me for a second. Got you. 25 in each of the next two meetings, the end of the year, at, uh, at 350 on the upper end of the range. Maybe you need to go further in 2023, but here's what I'm saying to you, okay? You've heard me say this before. Inflation does show signs of peaking. Don't throw rotten fruit at the TV. Just look at gasoline futures, which are now back at where they were on March 1st. Uh, take a look at inventory levels, which we know are high and they're going to have an effect on prices. Take a look at freight costs. I can keep going, but here's the point. If inflation is coming down and at the end of this year, you're going to be up at that 350 range. Well, maybe all we've really done this year is normalize interest rates. Now, think about that. What if I changed the narrative, Scott? What if I changed it from we're combating inflation to we're normalizing interest rates and we go into 2023. Scott, you know my thesis about supply chain onshoring. I won't trigger you by bringing it up again. But what (laughs) if we go into 2023 with good earnings and we've got our interest rates at a reasonable level. And I mean reasonable in the historical sense. I can't look at three and a half to four percent and say, oh, my God, people aren't going to borrow. Just no, can't but do you it. also can't say that the market deserves a, you know, a great multiple on top of that. I mean, part of the argument before was rates are so low, market deserves the multiple that it gets. So now you're suggesting that even if rates go up, that it's no big deal for stocks, that everything's just great. I think we're just normalizing. Yeah, I think what I'm really saying here is this is going back to the question from two days ago. Very good question. Bear market rally or the real thing? 
I'm telling you, I think this is the real thing. Doesn't mean we can't go down another three, four percentage points just along the way. But really what I keep telling you is I look into 2023 and I see a lot of that wood being chopped. I don't care whether it's inflation, the Fed, midterm elections. I see a lot of debris in the rearview mirror and a pretty good looking road ahead of us to earnings growth again. Okay, so, Carrie, let's say we believe Bullard, right? We want to believe Bullard. There's not uh, there's not going to be a recession. Okay, that's what Bullard thinks. The Fed is still going to tighten a lot. That's what Bullard thinks. So we got a slowing economy, right? The Fed's going to tighten a lot more. We're not going to go into recession, but still, how is that great for stocks? Well, more than half of the S&P has reported already, and the numbers were pretty good. I mean, they were much better than feared, and some were actually really good. PayPal was much better than expected. I know we'll talk about it, but I, but I think it was surprisingly positive. And remember that the Fed was telling us that inflation was transitory. It wasn't, much higher than expected. The Fed has told us several things about the economy. And while the, these are very smart people, all of them, I have huge respect for Jay Powell and all of the governors, but honestly, they didn't get it right. So if you have one say, yes, we're gonna really keep hiking all through 2023, and another say, well, perhaps we're gonna back off. I think the market has decided that for now, things are better than expected and that earnings were reasonably good. Inflation seems to be coming down. Interest rates have not gone up as quickly as expected. And in fact, have come down from about 3.6 to 2.7. And there are shipments coming out of Ukraine. So those are positives. And the market is feeling glass half full, halfway through earnings. Things are better than expected. And the market went down 20 plus percent on the NASDAQ, 33%, 34%. So it's time to buy some stocks okay. at these lower prices. So Joe, um so it's time to buy stocks. The rally's real. The hikes don't matter because the economy is strong enough to withstand it. And the market has already priced in a lot. Is that why we are able to brush off a flurry of hawkish Fed speak this week? I think we'll be able to brush off the flurry of hawkish Fed speak for a little bit longer. Um, I do think that you have to acknowledge that this all began with a technical breakout. The break above the 50-day moving average was real. Um, I took a position in the QQQs two weeks ago. I'm still long that position on those technicals. And one of the reasons why you've had follow-through is this pivot in terms of strategy. Think about growth versus value. There was this dramatic underperformance for growth relative to value to the extent of nearly 20% during the month of June for the year. We've now reversed that. Since July 1st, we've got growth outperforming by 8%. And why is growth outperforming? Growth is outperforming, and it's represented exactly in what Carrie said in a lot of the earnings, because there appears to be this resiliency that's allowing for the normalization process of rates moving higher, but yet not seeing the significant earnings contraction. And I think that's very important because what really is driving us here and extending the technical recovery is a lot of these growth and mega cap growth names in which you're finally seeing repositioning coming back in on the long side. Okay, Degas, I want you to answer the same question, right? A lot of hawkish Fed speak, yet... Here we are talking about the rally continuing. Now, I know yesterday was a down day, but you could chalk up a lot of that to Pelosi going to Taiwan and some of the tensions around the U.S. 
and China. Rates were also uh, a big mover yesterday up and maybe that put some weight on stocks. But here we are resuming again, even though Bullard today says what he did. Scott, what's happening, and, and I will go along with the rest of the panel, is that we're starting to turn the inflation. Inflation it will start going down, and that's why we're seeing a positive market reaction. And so as we get to a point where inf uh, inflation starts going down, the companies that we're seeing performing now, they've been re-rated. And so money is coming back into the market. And so I'm very constructive on this market from this point because mm. I see opportunities. So I will tell uh, someone to start dollar cost averaging into this market. Okay, which brings me to Kevin O'Leary. We fixed his shot and he is back with us. It's good to see you as always. So you, you like to see what everybody offers up, right? Everybody made their offer here on what they think about this market, where it is now and where they think it's going. And then you like to swoop in at the end and close the deal. Are you coming <laughs> in here at the end as a buyer or a seller? I've been an advocate for staying in equities now for almost six months, although it's been very volatile because I haven't seen any indication of the recession that everybody's so concerned about in just my own tear sheets and private companies that service all kinds of consumer goods and services. And so the narrative in the last, I'd say, six weeks has changed from pretty well certainty of a hard landing and a recession, and the big debate was which quarter it was going to occur in. Now the narrative is 50-50. You've got half market participants saying this could actually be an engineered soft landing, and we may have a very good 2023. And so now it's more about, you know, this, the Fed, how long will they run? If rates end up between 3 and 4 percent, so what? I mean, that, there's been many bull markets with rates like that. And really, competition for equities won't really show up till the two years well north of 3%. But what I really find interesting now is the debate around policy. And I think one of the undertones that is very positive for the market is it looks like certainty that there'll be Washington gridlock on November 8th. No more policy, no more spending, no more bills nothing after that until the general election, which is a good thing for investors because it's just been spendaholic after spendaholic after program after Build Back Better. This trimmed down version, even it may not get through, which would be a good thing. But I think the market's looking ahead to 2023 saying there'll be no more politicians doing anything. They'll yep. just be doing their regular thing in total gridlock. And that's great. I want to take issue. With, I want to take issue with something you said, which probably will not surprise you or anybody else who's watching at the current moment. You said we've had plenty of markets where you get 4% rates. I mean, you haven't had plenty of markets where you go from zero to four in a year or so, have you? I mean, it's a dramatic change in policy. Stocks don't typically just say, oh, that's no big deal. We can just continue to brush everything off and go higher, do they? Well, you just had $6 trillion of free money printed into this economy. That's unprecedented. There's no time you can go back and see something like that. And that is a wash with liquidity. It's still there. It's still there. And I think it's going to take another year to flush it out. There's still people that won't go back to work. I can't hire them. I've got plenty of job openings. I can't hire people. How can we be in a recession when I can't hire anybody in California? So I, I'm having a real hard time trying to reconcile the pieces like everybody else. But I do know with certainty this we are not in a recession. I don't care the two quarters of slow GDP growth. This is a wash of capital still flushing through the system. And that's why stocks remain 
the domain they are, a place to put capital to work to get a decent return uh, versus anything else right now. No, I mean, you're not the only one who doesn't think we're in a recession. That was Bullard's point this morning, too. We're not in a recession right now, he said, and he points to the job market. You can't say we're in a recession now with a job market as strong as it is. But I want to talk about where you need to be then. If most of you, it sounds, are fairly positive on stocks, I want to talk about what Wolf Research put forth today, a shift back to the tightening trade is what they call it. it goes back to the point you can say that the economy is as strong as it is and that's totally great and it's going to remain there nonetheless if you believe all of the hawkish fed speak they're going to continue to raise rates so you need to be on the right side of that boat even if you think that the economy the waters are smooth enough to keep sailing they say stick back to that classic defensive healthcare. that's obviously done well but that brings to mind the tech trade. Jimmy, that, that's where I want to go with you, yeah. okay? ARC's been up a lot. It's up 40% from the May 12th intraday low. Mega caps have been carrying the water. They, they have been up a lot. Apple's up near 30% from its lows. Morgan Stanley today says no bottom for tech. We're on the wrong side of the profit cycle, and the reason the bounce is getting exhausted. Can the tech trade still work in a scenario of higher for longer and the Wolf Research tightening trade? Yeah, it can work. You hear my tone? You hear my sort of, meh, yeah, it can work. Yeah, but um, you sound like sarcastic. Well, I don't mean it's sarcastic. What I mean is more specifically, first off, good use of the word classic in front of the word defensive. Because what's been going on here, people are tiptoeing back into this market and they think that tech is defensive. Tech is not defensive. You're thinking that because of the last cycle where it was a very low growth regime globally, economically, and that was the only place to get profit growth. Looking forward, I actually think that you're going to see profit growth above average outside of tech in the cyclicals. Now, that doesn't mean that tech is dead. It just means that at the these multiples, you cannot reasonably expect the multiple expansion that you saw in the last cycle. So what that mathematically means is any share price gains in the Microsofts, Apples, Googles of the world is going to come from earnings per share growth. And that's going to be 8 to 10 percent. Um, it's OK. I'm not being sarcastic, Scott. Sorry that it sounded that way. OK. But it's just I think you're going to get higher than average earnings per share growth in cyclicals and possibly multiple expansion. Wow. Even in a slowing economic environments, you, cyclicals you, are going to outperform growth. You, but you know my thesis, right? You disagree with it, which is fine, but you know oh, my I'm thesis. I'm just questioning it. Yeah, I'm, I'm answering it, right? Supply chain onshoring, infrastructure spending, what is that going to favor? Industrials, energy, materials, financials. Um, which, you know, by the way, financials, I mean, what's the average stock? J.P. Morgan, we were talking about last night, nine times earnings, three and a half percent dividend yeah. yield. What's Microsoft? Three times that multiple. Like what I, you know, OK, we, we lived in a regime for like 14 years where price didn't matter because money was free. Now money is not free. This is to Wolf's point. Like these are not defensive. They may be good stocks. They may be fine, but they're not defensive at these multiples. Joe, you want to take take that on? I know you do. I mean, first of all, the revenue growth from Microsoft, the buyback program from Microsoft, um, J.P. Morgan's not even in the right country when you try and make that comparison. So that just doesn't work. Sorry, Jimmy. Um, but in, in addition to that, it's been clear that what the market has recognized over the last six weeks is that there's this potential moderation in inflation that the Federal Reserve is going to continue to combat inflation itself and that universally the speculators in the street was underweight growth. And if you were able to recognize that early and, and you know, it's, it's been one of my best trades so far this year in recognizing that early, in going out and buying CrowdStrike and buying NVIDIA at 149, uh, in going out and buying the Qs, a lot of the trades that I have been done has been in recognition of that growth. Now, 
at some point does it reach exhaustion? Yes, I think it ultimately does. But right now in the month of August, where every day is basically Sunday, and we're, we're void once we get past the earnings of, of any real news headwinds, I think that you're going to see continued momentum on the upside driven specifically by growth. Once we get to September, very clear, very obvious, you could get a little bit of a correction. But there's more to ride here in this growth story. And a lot of it is based on repositioning, Scott. Remember how underweight everyone was. Yeah. And maybe are now. Carrie, what do you think about this? Yeah, well, well uh, the, the tech uh, sector is down 17% year to date. Uh, communications down 27 percent. Um, I don't have my glasses on, but I think energy is up 30 percent. I mean, if we're talking about what's cyclical and what's defensive, what's worked or not, the tech trade hasn't worked at all this year. It's been underperforming for a year. And cyclical stocks and defensive stocks have done incredibly well. So if you compare multiples, if you look at uh, Google, for example, and compare it to Brown Foreman, Coke, Pepsi, a lot of the, uh, quote, defensive, steady, um, consumer staple names have multiples that are far in excess of what technology stocks that have solid earnings and sustainable growth. So in my opinion, the, um, the winners have been cyclicals and defensive stocks this year. The losers have been on the tech side. And that's why this rally has been great for those stocks, because if we're not going to be in a severe recession, they're going to start to outperform and their earnings are solid. It, it just, uh, it, it just to me, has made sense. I mean, we've been arguing it for a while. It has not worked. But this pivot, which Joe referred to, in, in fact, has been to the benefit of these higher growth names. And it should be because they've underperformed so okay. much and All they right. showed in this quarter good growth. All right. Degas, about tech. I mean, a lot of people think that you know, this continuing rally hinges on tech that forget about it. If tech starts to roll, if it gets exhausted, what's going to really carry the market any higher than it's already come to? Well, Scott, you also have because we talk a lot about the FANG, the, the major uh, mega cap names. But there are other tech names that have growing earnings, uh, Jim, out there that, for instance, uh, Fortinet, um, Adobe, CDW, there's a lot of companies that have growing earnings in this environment that you can focus on. And so we're seeing that those tech companies can take a leadership. Obviously, we talked about healthcare, we talked about energy and materials, but we're also seeing these smaller than the, me uh, the mega caps, technology companies can take a lead now in this market. All right, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. Up next, we have a lot of committee moves to get to today. Stay with us for the new buys and sells. Kevin O'Leary has many of those. We'll go through them next. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Visit ODFL.com to learn more. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. 
Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. Okay, we are making many moves today on the investment committee. Joe, let's do some housekeeping first. For those who didn't catch overtime yesterday, but did catch halftime yesterday, you did say that you were going to be buying Uber and that you would sell J.P. Morgan. In fact, you did just that. Just recap very quickly for me the decision process there. I feel as though J.P. Morgan, which I reached for, right now is dead money. The value back program has been suspended. I don't like that. And I think there's tremendous opportunity on the upside from what we heard yesterday reported from this company, Uber, uh, that suggests you from yesterday, from yesterday's price of 28 and a half, there's another clear 20 to 25 percent of upside. And I'm buying into that opportunity in the near term. That was just a remarkable uh, quarter uh, fueled by growth, both for mobility and delivery. Okay. Speaking of, Mr. Wonderful, Kevin O'Leary, you bought Uber as well. Tell yes, me why. Yes, I bought it going into the quarter. Oh, um, that was a gutsy move. Yes, it Ooh. was. I, I think the, the worst is over. This has been a miserable name, uh, a miserable stock to own over the last two years. I think we're past all that from a bunch of different metrics. One is Yushas is going up. They're very, very ingrained and doing a great job in food delivery. Also, management isn't dealing with the political nightmare of taxi unions and all the rest of that. That's behind it as well. And if you're going to buy a cornerstone ticker in ride services, shared ride services, there's no better name worldwide. And so that was my thinking going into it. I'm a little more optimistic that over the next three years, this will be this will outperform the S&P because of just the demand metrics. And most people consider uh, COVID now an endemic. Uh, it's, it's not as prevalent as it was just 60 days ago in the ride programs. So I'm pretty bullish on this name. All right, let's talk about some names you're not so bullish on anymore. You sold Coinbase. I know that wasn't a good trade for you. Why'd you get out now? That was a brutal trade for me. Um, that uh, was brutal. And, and I got out because the war that they're taking on with the regulator. I have come to the conclusion uh, in my investing career that when you litigate the regulator, that's never a good outcome. And so this will taint this name, it will taint this sector until these issues are resolved around crypto. The turf wars that are going on between the SEC and other regulators, that also has to be dealt with. There's some optimism in Washington. These bills are being pushed through. But Coinbase has gone to war with the regulator. And I'm, an, I'm a regulated guy. I'm, I'm sitting here on television talking about how compliant I am because I am. And I know the regulator watches you, Scott. I'm not, I don't want to own any shares of a company that has gone to war with the regulator that regulates me. No thanks. Okay. And did I lose money? It really hurt me. And when I lose money like that, I cry like a baby. It just makes me sick what they did. <laughs> and I, and you know, I'll learn that lesson. I hate wars with regulators. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna save this one for later, but pass the tissues again to you then, because you sold Robinhood too. 
<laughs> you're right. You're really nasty today. I got to tell you, man, you set I, me yes, up. <laughs> yes, yes, I did sell it because it's part of that taint. Let me let me show you an example. Just a few hours ago, you know, just days ago, uh, SoFi got its charter. It's gone from a deregulator, at least painted by that deregulated brush, to a regulated entity. And look what happened. You made 25% on the stock. Any name that's under that cloud of crypto and, and non-regulated trading, which I consider, you know, I would have been a huge supporter of Robinhood, but they're, they're stuck there. And until this gets resolved, that's dead money. I might as well take my pain take the loss, move on, and wait for this drama to play out in Washington, D.C., which it will be doing in the fall. There's a lot of momentum around bills on payment systems and, and uh, you know, decentralized finance and stable coins and Bitcoin. This stuff is coming, but I think these names are, are toxic waste until it's resolved. Okay. You also sold Moderna. Man, Steve Weiss was texting me earlier, crowing and everything, how the haters were going to be upset today. The stock's up 15%, and I hope he's watching now, and I'm sure he is. So tell him why you sold Moderna. I got into Moderna with Steve. It's been a great name, but a very volatile name. This doesn't trade like a biotech or a pharma company. It's doing its own thing, and it's not clear to anybody why. My thesis is that it's under-owned institutionally because it brings so much vol to anybody's per portfolio. And so I sold it. I did okay, not great. I never, never can get the top. And I simply bought more Pfizer. I'm indexed to the vaccine trade. I'm indexed to the research, the same technology. Moderna's just gotten too vol in it. And I, and, and I really feel it's because the institutions have said, nah, if I'm going to own it, I'll just own Pfizer. You sold Unilever too. Uh, this has to do with, with concerns about Europe? Well, here's, here's the way I buy Europe. I, I use the Alps index, O-E-U-R, 50 massive market cap names in Switzerland, the Eurozone, and in England. So you've got three different currencies. Those currencies are getting cratered against the strong U.S. dollar, which is a good thing for these names. But you're buying an index there. If I want to overweight, I buy outside the index, which is that position. I've decided to trim it back, just go back to the index and not own that as an, an additional mm. weight. Because right now, everybody hates the European zip code. But I think it's a buying opportunity. Let me end with a buy of yours. Uh, Chesapeake, which, you know, look, uh, energy obviously ripped, then it pulled back, scared a lot of people out of some of those names. I, I assume you might have been one of them who got out and maybe it was too early. Is that what you're thinking? I did get out too early in energy. It was a great ride, but it's very difficult to time that sector. It's got a lot of issues around proxy voting. For example, there's lots of institutions that won't buy any energy names. So I'm always looking for names that are going to be incremental buys for institutions. Energy at this point isn't, and that's a mistake for our economy. But this is a gas play. That's my view on it. I'm, I'm bullish long-term nat gas over the next 36 months for a whole host of reasons from Putin on down. Mm -hmm. Nat gas is, fits on the greener story of energy. Uh, there's a lot going on in places like North Dakota where they're sequestering carbon from nat gas flare. They've got the salt cave there. I visited the state recently. I saw what they're doing. It made me say, what's a pure play on an equity? This is it. All right. Good stuff. We'll take, uh, actually, we'll go to Bertha Coombs, who has the headlines for us. Hi, Bertha. 
Hi, Scott. InfoWars host Alex Jones says he may have been wrong when he said on air immediately after the 2012 Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting that it was a, quote, false flag operation staged by the government with actors playing the part of grieving parents to create a pretext for the confiscation of American guns. Jones testified in his own defense in a defamation suit that was brought by the parents of one of the 20 children who died. It probably did happen, and I was probably, you know, I mean, it was a good chance I was wrong. So I started basically trying to walk it back long before I got sued because I've, I wasn't sure that I was right anymore. Not everything's a false flag. Not everything is staged. President Biden is expected to sign an executive order that will help cover costs for women traveling across state lines to receive abortions. The Biden administration is also considering declaring a public health emergency to protect access to abortion medications. And the Senate is set to vote on a resolution to ratify Finland and Sweden's applications to join NATO. The countries are seeking to join the alliance, ending their longstanding military neutrality in response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Scott, All right. back over to you. Bertha, thank you. Bertha Coombs. Earnings Roundup is next. We have trades on today's big movers, including important stocks, PayPal and AMD. We have ownership on the committee, and we have moves as well to go along with that. We'll do it next. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones... Our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. All right, let's talk about some earnings movers now. Led by PayPal, up almost 10%. If it closes up more than 12.2, it's going to be the best day since May of of 2000. For some reason, no one likes it. O'Leary, you sold it. Jim, Farmer Jim, you sold it right before Labor Day. Degas sold it in in April. The only person who likes it is Kerry, who still owns it. You still like it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they hit all of the high points for the quarter. I mean, sales were good, but they raised guidance. They show a commitment to cutting costs, and they talked about $900 million this year, $1.3 billion next year. They've already said that the fourth quarter margins will improve. And there's an activist in the stock, Elliott Management, and they said they acknowledge that. They're working with Elliott. They've agreed to $15 billion in a buyback next year. I mean, it sounds as if this is a company who's sort of seen the light and realized that investors have been very unhappy and they have to show that they can get back on track. They've hired a CFO. They haven't had a CFO for a while now. They've hired um, Blake Jorgensen from EA. They need a chief operating officer. That's going to happen. 
Uh, and you, you see that Venmo is growing extremely well. They recognize that 80% of their business comes from 30% of their users, and they really have to focus on who are the users paying money or trying to attract new users to PayPal and accounts mm -hmm. where they're not generating business or they're losing business, wasn't working. And this management seems to have gotten religion. And we think the stock is very attractive I want here. To talk to it's Jim. 19 times earnings. I want to talk to Jim and Degas. <laughs> yeah. um, Degas, maybe the stock just had to re-rate. Maybe, I mean, company perfectly fine. Stock just was crazy. Valuation was nuts. And maybe it just had to re-rate and now it has. And that's why Kerry still likes it. Maybe the valuation is more palatable now, clearly, than it was then. Maybe you guys got off the train too early. Well, Scott, I don't think I got off the train too, too early. Late. We, too, we late too, early. too late, then too early. Too late, then too early. Right? You know what I mean? Too late, then too early. Because the stock was down a lot, and you got off the train. But now maybe it's coming back, so you got off too early. Well, okay, so I actually sold it back in April uh, at about $100. So the stock is now returning to the, the point that I uh, sold it. So what I'm looking at now, I want to see greater visibility on earnings. And if we see a, a better picture on earnings, I may reconsider this name. But right now, I'm, I'm waiting to see if we're going to have a solid earnings view. Okay. Farmer Jim, I pose the same question to you. You see, I loosened my tie. You did. You were anticipating something. I know you like a good tussle. Okay. <laughs> I know you like to jab with me. I got. I've got an issue uh, no. with you, Scott. It's not a matter of jabbing I, with you. I, I've got. It's a... simply asking the question. Maybe the stock simply just had to re-rate. I, I, I would dodge. And then now too. it's time to buy PayPal. Target gets raised. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight places today. Scott. <laughs> I want PayPal to yep. do well. Carrie is my friend. I want her to do well. When I sell a stock, I move on. Now, we're in earnings season, okay? I don't care about PayPal. It's not on my list. But I got an issue with you. Me? You, 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 you like a good fight. It's you and me, okay? You control the narrative. Why aren't we talking about CVS today, which you know I own, and has five <laughs> years of earnings beats? And, and beat wow. on the top, CBS. beat on the bottom line, raised guidance. Now, let me tell you something else. There's Tomorrow, an exciting one. Yeah, it's exciting because it goes up, <laughs> and you want to talk about PayPal. I love you, Carrie, but how much is it down year to date? Yeah. How much is it down the last two years? Carrie, don't respond because it's got more to do with Scott. My tie is lowered. All right. Okay. I'll tell you what. Carry on. Tomorrow. I can take it. Tomorrow. Our friend Paramount is going to report. Oh, boy. You're all bulled up ahead of that <laughs> and one? And I know you. I know that when the earnings Me. season came out, you circled that date in, in I, black I noticed marker. It to, I noticed it today. <laughs> I'm not one of the five people who cut it to sell like in the last 10 days. Here is my point, okay? I love jabbing with you. But you got, you got to, like, give me some credit when it's due. You do. Well, why wouldn't you let me get to CVS? Let me finish PayPal first. <laughs> oh. You don't think I was going to give you any credit on CVS at all? Exactly. No, I didn't. But okay, dazzled me. Well, it's, I can't do it now because I still want to talk about PayPal. <laughs> okay. Remember, listen, you, listen said it, you, you said it first. I control the narrative. You don't. <laughs> let me get there. Kevin O'Leary, seriously, um, you sold PayPal. I think the most recent sale on the team here. Uh, now, what, given what you heard, why? I have a different reason. I went to the Hill recently to Washington uh, to see what was going on with the Toomey and the Haggerty bills around payment systems that are being pushed through. Now, there's a lot of debate about crypto, but payment systems, uh, 
unlike just like Visa or MasterCard or PayPal, uh, there is a lot of policy being pushed forward on getting stable coins that are backed by U.S. dollars and Treasury bills done before Toomey retires. That will be a landslide change for PayPal because, frankly, look at what just happened with Circle that has a, a, a you know an unregulated so far. They've got USDC. Fidelity put 200 million in just a couple of months ago. Then BlackRock, 200 million. That payment system is global. That payment system supported on a bipartisan basis. That payment system backs the U.S. dollar as the defining currency worldwide. When that comes on board, I don't want to own PayPal. I think there's going to be a swing for payment systems that are regulated, backed by the U.S. dollar, that are going to decimate services like PayPal. They were like the pioneer with the arrows in their back. That's my take of it. That's why I dumped the stock and I'm not going back in. Did you guys see CVS, by the way? <laughs> it's up 6%. <laughs> you got something on that, Jimmy? Uh, so in all seriousness, strong, totally strong serious. performer. I mean, literally five years of earnings beats. Um, and you know what? The, the word mm. on this was that people were worried that with vaccine demand going down, uh, that they were going to miss. Nope. Beating on the top line, beat on the bottom line, uh, raised guidance. This is this is a solid company. It's a steady eddy. And you look at any long term chart. This is a stock you want to own. OK, let's talk AMD guys real quick. If we it's could take a look at the stock here, it's down three uh, percent. Kevin O'Leary, you bought this name. Joe bought it recently, but you just bought it. Why? You know, you can't buy semi as an index anymore because you've got Intel loaded in there, and that thing is a dog. I mean, that's that stock is the most poorly managed company in semis, and they stumble over themselves every quarter. I don't want to own any of that, so I got to pick winners. AMD is top dog. It's definitely the best managed, and I think at a time when semis are going to stay in the forefront, and it's selling at a discount. It's been slaughtered with all the other tech names, and yet demands for semiconductors and data centers in the United States, in almost every state, really play well towards what they manufacture. So I'm bullish for the next 24 months on this name. I think it's a good entry point for me. All right, good stuff. Next, Mike Santoli is with us for his Midday Word. We're back right after this. All right. Welcome back to the Halftime Report. Senior Markets Commentator Mike Santoli joins us now from the New York Stock Exchange for his midday word. A lot of hawkish Fed speak. So what? There is. I think the market is able to say, well, what else would they be speaking about right now if not to remind us that the job against inflation is not finished? Uh, I think we also have to remember what we're really debating is not the next move, maybe not even the next couple of moves, but the market's implied message that the Fed will likely be cutting rates early next year. So we're talking about, what, six, eight months in the future? What, was, what were Fed officials saying eight months ago relative to what they've done since? I guess the point being not that it's unreliable or insincere, but that it's not really fresh actionable news today for them to say we have to see the inflation data uh, get better. That being said, you have the dollar getting a bid today. Uh, you have bond yields uh, adding to yesterday's uh, climb. I think that's okay with stocks, mostly because we got the good services, ISM services number, and we're still below the highs on both those measures in terms of the dollar and yield. So we're in a zone of, 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 of comfort. But, you know, you have to, if you look at any chart, a lot of stuff looks like pushing up the edge of a multi-month range, the S&P, the NASDAQ 100 as well. Chart I'm looking at right now, I want your opinion of it too, is the VIX. Man, down big today. Yeah. It's a 22. Credit spreads are tighter. I mean, 
That's why there's not real scary stuff around other than speaking. Right. So you have summer, you have earnings season. Earnings season, while it moves individual stocks a lot, it often uh, offsets uh, one another. So therefore, the index level volatility isn't great. That feeds into into the volatility level. Look, we're up off the lows. Uh, it does. I mean, uh, there's a line of thought that says you should hedge when it's cheap and when you can, as opposed to when it feels like it's an urgent need to do so. Uh, and that might suggest that uh, maybe things are getting uh, cheap right here. I know that some folks are pointing that out. I still think it's nothing inconsistent about a VIX at 22 when you have some stability in the markets. It's kind of gone, you know, sideways, give or take for uh, for a little while. I do think, you know, we have a jobs number on Friday that could be market moving. Maybe that means there's a floor underneath it here in the low 20s, but it's not far from the long term historical average uh, in terms of absolute VIX level right now. Yeah. Can't wait for inflation data next week. That's the biggie. Mike, thank you. I'll see you in a yep. few. All right. Uh, and over time for your last word, Mike Santoli straight ahead, a downgrade for one industrial stock. Over concerns of slowing growth, shares down 7% this week. The debate and the trade is next, and Kevin O'Leary just sold it. We'll tell you what it is next. All right, let's talk Caterpillar today. Downgraded to market perform at Bernstein. The firm citing a slowdown in orders growth. It's our call of the day. Here's what I want to do. Degas, you own it, okay? I want you to make the case why you own it. And then, Kevin, I want you to tell Degas why you just sold it. Degas, you first. Yeah, so first of all, let's talk about what's occurred in your term. The stock uh, is coming down because, one, it beat on earnings uh, 6%. It slightly missed on revenue. And that is because something we talked about earlier in the show, we had uh, the um, interest rates or the inflation impact on costs and also the supply chain impacts. These are temporary. So that has not changed my long-term view of the company. Now let's look on the other side of this. The company is, is growing its sales. It probably will get sales of about $57 billion for 2022 because of growth of the um, farming, mining, and infrastructure. We just got through talking about how that's going to really build up the demand for their products. Also, they're gr growing globally. And lastly, Caterpillar has pricing power. They'll be able to slightly start increasing their costs or their prices for their equipment. So that's why we're seeing that this company will probably have a earnings per share of about $12.60, about a 6 to 7% growth in earnings into uh, 2022. So that's why we're holders of this company. Plus, if you look at the dividend, right. the dividend is roughly a positive six percent, uh, excuse me, two percent. And so once again, they're returning capital to the investor. OK, this is a hold for us. And we really like the company. Well, Kev, Degas is a holder. Why are you a folder? Canary in the coal mine on CAT has always been the U.S. dollar. And when it gets stronger, it is CAT's enemy, and it's getting stronger. And that really causes problems for the portion of sales of CAT that are global. It's just a huge headwind. My thought when I sold it was, why don't I buy some deer, which is more domestic, has less headwinds on currency and FX issues. But at the same time, they, they have the same risk, but just a smaller amount of it. I don't like this sector right now. It's rolling over. This is a name you have to catch just right. You got to get it. It, it, it doesn't roll over for just a few weeks. It rolls over for quarters and quarters ahead because these are long-term shipment orders. Mm. But th this this dollar problem is not your friend. I uh, we I sold it. I made a call on it. Um, 
I did okay, not a great win. Right. Two percent is never a reason to stay in a name that could lose that in one trading session. Jimmy and has. Jimmy perked up right in his chair when you said, "Dear." <laughs> I literally, I was, I was writing something down. I heard the chair like make a shaking sound <laughs> when you when you said, "Dear," because he owns that. He he likes that trade. More trades are ahead, by the way. Uh, we'll set you up for the big earnings hitting in overtime tonight when we're back in just two minutes. All right, so we have some big earnings coming up in overtime tonight. Kerry, Booking Holdings, you own it. Expectations? Yeah, we think that the stock is going to outperform because it hasn't this year. Travel has been great, and we know there's been a lot of pent-up demand. They're gaining market share in the U.S. There's a lot of international travel, and we expect to hear good things from the company about the next few months. Okay, that's number one. All right, Paramount, I know you joked about it earlier. I do too, but I was serious in the fact that it's gotten downgraded to sell by a number of people in the last week. I mean, a lot, right? A lot. You got to kind of think, I don't know if there's anyone left to downgrade it. I'm being serious. Literally, I'm not sure if there's anyone left to downgrade it, which actually sets it up for maybe a positive expectation. Joe, you want to downgrade it real quick? (laughs) (laughs) Just Uh, to add a little fuel to the fire? If he downgrades nope. that, I'm downgrading Uber. But moving on, what we're looking for here is a few million in subscriber additions uh, to Paramount Plus. They have had the best growth rate in the industry over the last two quarters. They've gotten no respect for it. The fact that the stock's been rallying the last couple of days indicates to me that maybe the market is getting wise to the fact that this is a very underowned, undervalued company with great cash flows. I'd like to see the cash flows, by the way, Scott. Uh, not so much from Paramount Plus this quarter, okay. but from Box Office. It's not just Top Gun Maverick. It's it's a lot of other movies that they've been putting out and getting good flows. All right, from. so that, they report tomorrow morning. Uh, oh, by the way, O'Leary, tomorrow morning, uh, Alibaba, uh, which you own. You sold Pinduoduo, by the way. Yep, yep. Alan, so Baba, if you own Amazon, I don't know why you don't own Baba. This may—it's baked into the stock that it'll be one of the first quarters ever where we saw sales growth slow. But the the overall trend is your friend in terms of e-commerce in Asia, and you know the China story and the ADR story—it's already baked into the stock. I'm bullish over the next year that these names, these tech names, will actually outperform the S&P. Baba's one of them. All right. Finally, Joe, Amgen tomorrow. In overtime, you own it. I do. I don't expect very much. The stock hasn't given me a very strong performance so far at the date. We got to get the update uh, on two drugs and got a little bit of a uh, financial issue potentially with the IRS. So I have low expectations here. All right. We're back after this with final trades. I hope you'll join me in overtime tonight. We have Booking Holdings Earnings, MGM, Chris Harvey with a big market call today. We'll go through that in a few hours. Adam Parker with me, Chris Toomey with me as well, Marcy McGregor. Hope all of you join me. Then I will see you in just a few hours. Let's do final trades. Carrie, you're first. Affordive, that's FTV. It's a mid-cap industrial. They had a very strong quarter, showed resilience despite inflation, supply chain problems, and they deal with high Precision instruments for healthcare, industrial, and technology companies. Okay, thank you. Mr. Where's Mr. Wonderful? What happened to him? Did he leave early? Kevin, did you leave? Is he no, there? I'm still here. I'm oh, still here. They didn't have you in the shot. I thought you I thought you left. I thought you had a lunch or something. What's your final trade? 
I'm using Alps OEUR. If you think U.S. large caps are correct, you should see Europe. So you get exposure to the 50 biggest names. And I love it since Swiss francs, euros, and British pounds. These companies sell most of their products in the U.S. So they have a really good win behind their back with the crushing of those European currencies. That's my idea. All right, Degas. Cadence Design Systems. This is a behind-the-scenes software maker of engineering tools used to design chips. It is, has uh, positive earnings revisions and also a 34% return on invested capital. Okay, Kerry. No, I'm sorry, I started with you first. Joe? Uh, we need to pull up a chart of, of Apple. It is breaking out. It is. Breaking out significantly. It holds the key to the market. It's okay. unbelievable, the breakout. 165. Wow, a near 4% gain. Quick to you, Jimmy. Goldman Sachs is also breaking out. Okay. I'll see you in a few. Exchanges now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.